0: I thought about a story that I wanted to share with you here in Genesis 36. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 36. If we can have a little bit of house lights up for just a moment. But Genesis 26. I want to, before I go into my title and what we're talking about, I want to kind of read a story, a short story from Genesis 26. There was a famine in the land besides the former famine. Which was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, to Gerar. And Yahweh, that's to say the Lord, appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I will show you. Dwell as an alien in this land and I will be with you. And I will bless you. For I will give all these lands to you. And to your descendants. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. And I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven. And I will give to your descendants all of these lands. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. Because Abraham listened to my voice and kept my charge, my commands, my statutes, and my laws. And here's verse 6. You ready? So Isaac settled in Gerar. So Isaac settled in Gerar. This was the second famine that had hit. You realize that? This was the second famine. The first famine that took place was found in Genesis chapter 12. Where Abraham and Sarai, they fled because of the famine. Had hit the land. They fled And they were uh, then taken care of. But when this famine hit, the second famine, when this famine hit, God told Isaac, don't leave. God told Isaac, don't flee. And so what's interesting about this is that uh, what really drew my attention to this whole thing was that um, what may work for those that are close to you may not work for you. Just cause God told somebody else to do something. Doesn't mean he told you to do it too. You realize that there are times. That you have close friends. That God calls them to do something. Or God tells them to, to follow a certain path. Or God puts something in their heart. Just because God has put something in their heart. Doesn't mean that God has put it in everyone's heart. Or just because God has gave it to them. Doesn't mean God gave it to you. And so. Isaac was now ready to ready to go. Famine hit. I know where to go. Wait, wait, wait. Don't. Don't leave the land in your app. That's, I don't know about you, but that's probably panic mode for me. If I know that my family is without, if I know that my family, look at me, if I know that my family is in need, it's my responsibility to care for them. And God says, wait, don't go. I'm going to fulfill in you the promise. I promise you I'm hungry right now. And this is taking a little too long for me. I'm not liking this feeling. Have you ever been put in a situation where where you really feel God was in it and you're a little bit uncomfortable? Can I tell you something? Most of the time when God puts you in something, he's more concerned about your obedience than your comfort. If you feel uncomfortable with something God has told you to do, there's a good chance He might be in it. I've learned that a long time ago. How many know what I'm talking about? When you feel like something's uncomfortable beyond you, it's not something you feel like you're equipped to handle, these sort of things, then all of a sudden I have a different view. I'm all of a sudden thinking to myself, this might be God. $25,000 by Easter. God. God. The burden is not on my shoulders because I believe God has caused me and called me to sow where I am. And that's exactly what God told Isaac. This morning's message is entitled, Sow Where You Stand. Sow Where You Stand. God's command was for Isaac to stay put. This famine was threatening his family His livelihood, his future. But God says, if you hang with me, if you stay with it, watch this. If you stay, I will bless you. If you follow through, I will take care of you. I love what Proverbs said in Proverbs 17. If you have your Bibles, keep marked at Genesis 26. But turn with me really quickly to Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 24. It's not going to be on your screen. You need to see it in black and white in your Bible. Here it is. 17, verse 24. A discerning man keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. I'll, I'll read it again. A discerning man keeps wisdom in view but a fool's eyes wanders to the ends of the earth what is that verse saying a wise man is alert to what's happening around him but a fool always looks around saying what's better for me well what's better for me here what 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 relationship should I be in over here instead of this one what what job should I do over here what how can I get more money because then I'll be more happier what can I do over here what can I do a wise man takes a look at uh, his surroundings and realizes what he has, instead of everything he has not. Are you with me? You ever been? You ever had a little bit of a, a bout of ungratefulness? I have. I'll be the first one to answer my own call. You ready? How many of you have ever had a bout of un uh, of ungratefulness? You've been ungrateful for some of the things you have, and you don't know what you have until you lose it. Right. And then you think to yourself, "Wow, I didn't realize how important that was. And it's about obedience sometimes. and I remember I, I remember I tore my ACL in college and that's really the only reason I'm not in the MBA. That was rude. Um, it's hard to focus after that laughter. Um I remember I tore my ACL and, uh, and partial cartilage and I was uh, you know, in recovery and whatnot and, uh, and I was in this huge immobilizer on my leg and I had to you know keep it straight at the heel right. And I remember I had to like, relearn how to walk upstairs. right? You ever been there? You ever been in a situation where I, you see I just went down steps? That was pretty smooth, right? I'm pretty good at it. Um, but at this point, you know, I had this big immobilizer and I had to kind of do this. Right? It took me like fifteen minutes to go up a flight of steps. You know, that that kind of thing. But I, I had to kinda of relearn that because I, I didn't realize how important it was just to bend, you need just enough to get up the next step. And I think I think we all feel that way sometimes. We don't know what we have until you lose it. And we kind of treat God that way where we're like, you know what God? I'll kind of get to it when I get to it and it's really not a big deal and answering the call that you've put on my life, I'll get to it when I get to it and then you, something happens and you lose something and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I didn't see it that way. And so I remember that I, I kind of had to relearn how to walk and, and and all these things because I had to gain strength in my leg and my knee again And and I remember... I remember looking out and, and, and seeing people in, in, in uh, whether it's wheelchairs or crutches and go, man, that must be tough. And then all of a sudden, I'm in this immobilizer and I can't do half the stuff I really want to do. And I realized, wow, how many times did I take that for granted? You know, when I talk about sewing where you stand, sometimes it's very easy to look at everybody else's situation and say, man, they have the perfect life. And in the world of social media today, We're never really portraying what we're going through, right? Some people do. And those are the people that you either unfriend or avoid. (laughs) But we often don't put out what we, you know, I heard it said one time, you know, you put your coffee in your Bible and you took more time on how you were going to frame the picture than you actually were in devotions. And you actually took with the time in Scripture. And so we want to paint this picture. It's not so much about what we're living, but how we're portraying what we're living. And we got to be very careful to realize that right where we are, we have to be honest with ourselves and say, you know what? This is where I am right now. And if I'm going through something like Isaac was going through, God, I want to stay firm and stand where I am. There'll be times in your life that you'll go through hardships and trials and your passion for God You may lose friendships because of it. Because you decide to sow where you stand. There'll be times that being passionate about your faith will put your job in jeopardy. You ever ever had a situation where somebody in your job gets gets a promotion and you're like, that person complains more than anybody else about their situation and they're the ones that get the promotion? Oh, this guy? Somebody else punches him in. He's not even on time all the time. This person over here, she talks about the boss all the time. And when the boss comes around, I'm here for you. Anything you need. It's my job. You think, why do they prosper? Why do they get all the blessing? Why does it look like the good guy? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And I'm following God's will. I'm following God's plan. And for me, why does it fall short for me? You know what? That's exactly what Proverbs is talking about. A wise person just looks around and realizes what's around them. What am I grateful for? What has God given me that I can use for his glory? Where can I sow where I stand? You know, the word persevere, is I looked it up and it's a verb. And it means to continue in a course of action, even in the face of difficulty, or with a little or no prospect of success. In other words, I'm going to keep going through. I'm going to push through my severity. That's what persevere in nutshell means. I'm going to press through my severity, the difficult times that I'm going through. And sometimes you have to push through. Severe moments in your life. See, when everybody else is heading out of town, Isaac is at home, and God is like, Hang tight. I got you. Hang tight. You know, I begin to realize obedient decisions sow into your destiny, while disobedient decisions sow into your despair. Obedient decisions toward Christ sow into your destiny. While disobedient decisions sow into your despair. When you start making step-by-step, like that analogy I just used a few moments ago, of going up the steps, relearn how to do it, right? Kind of, you know, every single step I take in obedience is a step in the right direction, even if it takes a little longer, right? Even if it takes a little longer, I got to work my way up and in the same way to be obedient, Every day, every decision you make that's pro-Christ, every decision that's for Christ is a step in the direction of your destiny. But every disobedient step is a step toward despair. How many would agree with that? So, let me ask you this question. Let me talk for a few moments here about, uh, about planting, reaping, and sowing. So, have you ever sown a cucumber seed uh, and, and, and planted those and ended up getting another type of, uh, you know, vegetable, another type of thing. Uh, have you ever planted something and got something completely different? No, because the brand is, right? The brand is if I, if I plant tomato seeds, tomatoes will come from tomato seeds. If I plant cucumbers, cucumbers will come. The realistic picture is this. There are times that many believers even struggle with fear, doubt, anxiety, and all these things. Many of those things are there because somewhere, someone sowed those things, whether you or somebody else, sowed that, and that's what's coming up. Because every seed gives to fruition its own brand. If you were told when you were a kid, you were a mistake, you were not loved, you were this, you were that, and this, that, and the other, all negativity, guess what? When you go into your marriage, all the way up through grade school, into college, into your relationships, into your life, you're going to be having in the back of your mind, you were a mistake, you were a failure, no one loves you. Why? Because the seed gives of its own brand. Someone sowed that into your life. Today I'm telling you, the idea of reaping and sowing has everything to do with what you receive and what you give. Sowing and reaping. Galatians tells us, be not deceived, God is not mocked. What a man sows, this will he also reap. I didn't think that up. Scripture said that. And while we look at s- sowing versus reaping, we often look at that by giving of tithes and offerings. And that is that does apply. But you realize that in your relationships, whatever you sow in your relationships, you will reap later. If you're impatient, impatience will flourish. If you're loving, love will flourish. And as I looked into... Uh, What's sowing versus uh, sowing and reaping and how does does that look? Now listen, I'm I'm from the city originally. I grew up in New York City, so I don't know too much. We have three trees in our city. So somebody, three people. Um, So there are three things that I wanted to kind of bring to the surface real quick. And when dealing with whether you're planting a garden or planting anything, Three things that are, are we talked about, and the first thing is when you're going to when you're going to plant. My wife and I, we love we love the idea of being able to pull our own vegetables and not have to. We grow them ourselves and things, and, and we're about to hit that season, right? And so, uh, the first thing you need to realize is you need to check the site. Is that site going to be acceptable of where you're going to sow, right? So, site is very important, right? Season. Certain things grow in certain seasons and other things don't, right? Right? There's seasons for things and you got to understand how that works. When they should be planted, how long they're going to be planted. You don't plant something in the ground, cover it up, water it and then yell at it for the next nine months, right? Grow, grow, grow. Your neighbor will call the cops, you will be arrested at some point. He's been yelling at the dirt outside for 12 days. You, you don't expect that, right? Because when you sow it, you have to understand that there's a waiting period, right? Right? But we want we don't want to wait. When it comes to God, we don't want to wait. God sows something in your life. You're like, now, nah, God, now, nah, God. Like popcorn seed, like you want to microwave it, right? You're like, now. Nah. Like we want to hit the popcorn button in our faith. Right? How many like the popcorn button? Some of you are like, I don't even have to think anymore. I just hit popcorn. Some of us got even super lazy. There's not even a word anymore, it's a picture. We ain't got so lazy as a culture anymore, right? I don't got time to text. I'm just going to send emojis. I don't got time to press the the word popcorn. I'm just going to press the picture popcorn. We're so lazy, right? Meat, meat. (laughs) Popcorn, popcorn. That's not even in my notes. That was rabbit trail. Sight, season, soil. You got to get the soil ready. You got to cultivate it. To, re- to receive the seed, right? Can I tell you that our Christian faith is like this? God looks at our sight, the sight of our heart, and he looks at it. And then he says, this is the season that I want to plant this in your life. And then he gets the soil ready. And we go, oh God, I don't want this out. Oh. No, you do want it. You just don't like the pain that it takes to get there. But I promise you, if you hang in there, Isaac. Hello? If you hang in there, Isaac. The seed that I planted will grow he was ready to flee he was ready to go because everybody else was right I'm going to do what my father did and it was okay with God then so it must be okay no 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 Isaac no not you not you not you stay stay because it's with you that I'm going to see and I'm going to use you to let the the promise be fulfilled so Isaac verse 6 Very important verse. He stayed. He stayed. I'm here to tell you, church, look at me. So where you stand. So where you stand. God has called you to something. So where you stand. In your relationship, in your marriages. So where you stand. It's very easy to run. It's very easy to bail. It's very easy to go the other way. But I'm telling you today, so where you stand. There is a process of sowing and reaping. Do you see that in the Bible? Did you Do you remember Jacob? He deceived his own father to receive a birthright. What happens years later? He was deceived, showed up to an altar. He showed up to an altar there, and all of a sudden, he's got the wrong wife. Oops. It's one thing to reach into a refrigerator... And grab the wrong drink. It's another thing to show up at your wedding. And get the wrong wife. Right? My bad. She was packaged. I didn't know what happened. Seven more years. Guess you got to work for her now. Talk about sowing and reaping. Right? Here's a man that. Deceived to get something. And now turn around and he now was deceived you reap what you sow God is calling us as a church to sow where we stand sow where we stand it happened to Paul too in case you needed more than one illustration Paul was he consented to stone Stephen do you remember that and what happened to Paul later in his life he himself was stoned Of course, a lot happened in between those two stonings. Like two-thirds of the New Testament a lot. (laughs) But the sowing and reaping still applies. I want you to know something. Once you sow your seeds, once you sow, it's not your responsibility anymore. You come here on Sunday mornings and me or one of our pastoral team, we have a wonderful team of leaders in this church. They get to preach the word of God to you right and you receive that word hopefully right you receive that word guess what it's no longer our responsibility for that fruit to grow the bible tells us that when you cast the seed that person and and, and we'll, we'll read this in a moment but you know that when i when i give you a word from god it's your responsibility to take that word and care for it to take that word sow it open up your heart plant it deep cover it up water it you don't i don't expect you Monday morning to to be to just nail it you got it man you got it I preached something yesterday and today you nailed it 24 hours later you're good to go no you're going through the time you're going through the process and that's discipleship isn't it but guess what it's your responsibility to take that word look at me it's your responsibility to take that word and do something with it some people want the church to do everything for them. We can't. I can't. Ain't no man on this planet earth supposed to be your source. We don't, we ourselves as shepherds, myself as your pastor, I'm honored to pastor you. I really am. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm so excited to see this next season that we're in. But I want you to know something. You have a responsibility to take the seed that, that I'm casting out here and sow it deep into your heart. Don't say, well, pastor, you preached something and then you didn't follow up with me. It's been two or three weeks and you didn't follow up with me about what you preached about. It's not my job. I'm supposed to love you through things, work through work through things with you? Absolutely. Brothers and sisters do that too, Right? But the seed is your responsibility. You look at Matthew 13 for a moment. Matthew 13 talks very specifically. When he's talking about how the seed, the seeds were tossed, he said, listen to what the parable of the sower means. Because he just mentioned the parable of the sower. And then now he tries to break it down for everybody listening, right? Jesus was pretty good at breaking stuff down for people. And here's what he said. Listen to what it means. Verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once, receives it, but since they have no root, it lasts only a short time. Right? Follow this. When trouble or persecution comes, because... Of the word, they quickly fall away. Why? There's no depth. You're shallow in your faith. The word didn't sink in. You didn't give a chance. Because it was there. You received it. Good preaching, pastor. Good word, pastor. Somebody else says something. Somebody else preaches something. You hear something in the radio. something underneath, And you hear that word and you're like, wow, that's a good word for me. But you never take it in. You never apply it to your life. You know what happens? When something bad happens, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. This is too big for me. Why? Because it hasn't sunk in. And that is that second one. Right? So then he goes on to go a little further. Verse 22. The seed falling among the thorn refers to someone who hears the word, but then the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of the world choke up the word. In other words, you let other things take place of the seed. Believe in me. Trust in me. Well, I don't know. There were times I really struggle with this and I have fears of this and I have doubts of this and I have all of a sudden God's word takes a faded back seat. And all of a sudden my focus is on all the problems and all the issues and all the times I felt like God didn't come through for me. But those times that you feel like God didn't come through for you wasn't God not coming through for you. It was you praying the wrong prayer in the wrong way. And God said, no, I will not honor that because you want what you want and it's not healthy for you sometimes God says no to you for your benefit do you realize that? how many realize that? Right? he says no to you because of your own benefit and he's trying to grow you but you get mad at God and you're like God you did this God you did that and you start focusing on that and the word never sits in and then he goes in to say this but the seed, verse 23, falling on good soil first is someone who hears the word and understands it this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what is sown isn't that good stuff right there? Isaac was told, stay where you are because my promises are about to unfold. And he did. He stayed in Gerar. Listen, you can only produce the brand to which you sow. So I want to to tell you something just again about Isaac before we kind of put this in a capsule for you. One of the scariest words in the English language. Here it is. You ready? wait my kids hate that word wait (sighs) but we do that spiritually too with God right God's like wait you're like no I don't want to wait I want peace I want patience now some of you just got it another three scary words you ready not the boogeyman no that's not it and I will. And I will. You say, how is that scary? Because it hasn't happened yet. And you're in the waiting period. And I will. Go back to Genesis 26. Go back to that promise that he just that I just read to you. Verses 1 through 6. Look through 1 through 5 and you realize that God says, And I will. And I will. And I will. Look at me. And I will. And I will. Why? Because he hadn't yet. and that's a tough place to be at it's like you're in the middle of an escalator that's going up and it stops you ever see somebody get stuck in an escalator it's funny It's an escalator stop they're like what do I do the same thing you would do if it was normal steps <laughs> what do I do what, what, what I press It stop why don't you walk up You got halfway there. Panic mode. We panic like we don't know what to do. This is so foreign to me. I should have took the elevator. We panic, don't we? We panic for no reason. God's like, listen. You know what to do here. Do it. So where you stand. It's going to take a little work, but just... Hang in there. Your marriage is going to take a little work. Just hang in there. The funds that you're struggling with, you're going to wrestle. But just hang in there. I get it. I get it. Because I'm there too. As a church, look at me. As your pastor, I want you to know, there's a great season ahead of us. There is an amazing season ahead of us. And... Don't even get it twisted for even a moment that God has forgotten your promise, because like He told Isaac, "And I will, and I will." You want to panic? You want to worry? I get it. But that doesn't mean you have to respond to it. So, I learned something about this story because we oftentimes want to look at everybody else's situation. Wow, that man if I had that job you know I could make more money I'd be happy and some people feel a certain way some of you feeling like man if I had if I was married to that person things would be different don't be foolish any relationship you get into there's going to be issues you're trading your struggles you're trading it up you think it's an upgrade but it's a trade grade it's all you're doing and I learned something And as I, as I kind of put this together. I was processing it throughout the whole week. And here's what I really felt as I, was, as I was putting this together. Don't trade your temporary present pain for future permanent pain. Don't trade. Did you get that? Let us sink in for a moment. And I even, I believe we'll have a, a slide for that up here. Don't trade your temporary present pain for permanent pain. Because a lot of times we think this will be a quick fix. But everything that you've invested in your life in a specific area, if it's a marriage. Let's say for a marriage for a moment. Let me just use that as a prime example here. I've sat with couples. I've sat with individuals that have went outside of their marriage. And as I sit with these couples, you know, they wrestled with, will they ever forgive me again? Will I ever be in love again like we were? Will all these things happen? And they often say this, I wish I would have known it would have caused this much pain. You know what they did? They traded temporary pain for permanent pain. Right? Because what they thought was better, they forsake everything they invested for this. And that didn't pan out because it was the same thing. And all of a sudden, now I don't have either one. Because that's not looking like what I thought it was going to be. And I left this marriage to do that. And now all of a sudden, I'm in this weird middle ground with no direction and no destination. I traded my temporary struggle when I could have just responded. Look at me. I could have just responded and said, you know what? I'm going to just try harder. I'm going to step in and do something a little, I'm going to go further. I'm going to go, I'm going to do something and go the extra mile, right? He said, you know what? I'm going to bail. I'm going to try this because this is, this is the Lord's will for me. Listen, the Lord's will is never to break covenant to go with somebody else. Did you hear me? I'm going to make this crystal clear. The Lord is never in the will of, of breaking covenant to go to something else. Somebody else's greener grass. People have the audacity to put God in that, in the middle of that. Yeah, you're, what you say? It's okay that God said it's okay to break the covenant that you have with Him. No, He didn't, and no, He won't. You have a covenant; you follow through, and so where you stand. This applies to more than just marriage. This is this is money. This is relationships. This is this is about your job. This is about all areas of your life. So where you stand, if you've invested time, effort, listen, if you've been praying for your child, so where you stand, if you've been praying for a family member, so where you stand, and know that God is in it, so where you stand, don't trade your temporary present pain for future permanent pain, let me close with this, it was a man by the name of, Ed, uh, a man by the name of Edmund McKinney. And this man was uh, a man that decided that he was going to make sauce a very important part of his life. And there's a picture of him there. He was a food lover and avid gardener. In fact, he was given seed peppers from Mexico and and his and on Avery Island there in South Louisiana, he sowed these seeds and nurtured the plants and cared for them in his field. But in 1863, the Civil War had taken place and it caused many of them to abandon their homes in the area and leave everything they knew. But while the war forces him out, many were not willing to return home except Edmund. Edmund returned home. Upon returning, he found that his peppers... And his pepper plants were not only flourishing, but they were covered in tiny red peppers. He promptly began to manufacture these and he found a batch of over 300 perfume bottles. He cleaned them out and he began to fill up and he began to take this and harvest it. And he put 350 bottles, sent them out to wholesalers as samples. Within weeks, he had orders for thousands and thousands of these of this sauce that he put together. The next year, McKinney sent out 658 bottles of sauce at $1 a piece wholesale to grocers all around the Gulf Coast, especially in New Orleans. He labeled them, and at that point, it became what we know today as Tabasco sauce. McKinley decided he was gonna return home, and so where he stood. This sauce, interestingly enough, is now in 22 different languages, over 175 nations, and has been privately owned by his family for five generations. There's the original bottle it was in. 1868, the first bottle ever produced there's a bottle for 1927 designed and that's very similar if not the exact bottle that you can buy in your store today five generations of McKinney have went on from from that point on to this day still privately owned the family run their own and guess what talk about sewing where you stand they still manufacture in the same location the same place even that many years later. Five generations later. Now, a lot of people didn't go home. He went back and he sowed where he stood. And I'm telling you right now, what if if McKinley decided I'm not going to go home? I'm going to start something else. I'm going to let that crop die and be what it is. We might not have this today. Some of you don't like hot sauce and that's fine. You can put it on a lot of stuff. In fact, in early 2000s, it was replaced as the number one condiment in restaurants over ketchup. That's a big deal. Right? To overthrow ketchup, you got to have some power. Vasco sauce today and the only reason it stands today is because someone didn't give up on their dream. Someone sowed where they stood. So the question I pose to you today will you sow where you stand? Will you believe in this church? Will you believe in your ministry? Will you believe in your marriage? Will you believe in your future? Will you believe in your purpose? Will you believe in your destiny? Whatever that looks like to you today, I hope that in one way or another, you are so where you stand. Amen? Would you stand with me where you're at?